You're listening to Comedy Central. January 24, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. of Meet the Press on NBC. Chuck Todd is joining us tonight, everybody. It'll be a fun conversation. Also on the show, Roy Wood Jr. is gonna fix the NFL, and you'll find out why you should be very afraid of a man named Lollipop. But first, <laughs> let's catch up on today's headlines. Venezuela. Venezuela. Once South America's most affluent nation, it has recently descended into chaos and violence. Kind of like how Best Buy is usually a chilled place, but then on Black Friday, uh, someone gets murdered over a toaster. <laughs> and that's not a joke, by the way. It's a true story. <laughs> I'll miss you, Uncle Billy. <laughs> but I told you that was my toaster. <laughs> anyway, Venezuelans have been taking to the streets to protest food shortages and a collapsing economy with 10 million percent inflation. The man responsible for all of this is Venezuela's authoritarian leader, Nicolas Maduro. The people tried to vote him out last year, but he rigged the election. And so now, an opposition leader has stepped up to say, basta! A violent power struggle playing out in Venezuela. Opposition leader Juan Guaido swore himself in as president, declaring that President Nicolas Maduro was unconstitutionally sworn in for a second term. On a stage in downtown Caracas, in front of a crowd of thousands, 35-year-old Juan Guaido raised his right hand and administered his own oath of office. I swear to formally assume the powers of the national executive as the president in charge of Venezuela. This is pretty historic. A 35-year-old just swore himself in as the new president of Venezuela. Yeah, the world's first selfie inauguration. <laughs> very millennial, very millennial. And, and not only do a ton of Venezuelans support Juan Guaido, he also has the support of major world leaders, including Trump, Merkel, Trudeau, Theresa May, and Tony the Tiger. This is a big deal. And now, moving on to another formerly prosperous country that is now falling into unrest, the United States. <laughs> it is now day 34 of the government shutdown, the longest in American history, and the effects continue to pile up. A major border security conference has been canceled, Flood recovery efforts have been stalled, and the government is so broke, the Secret Service has now been replaced by mall cops. <laughs> and on top of all of that, President Trump's State of the Union address is officially canceled. Overnight, President Trump blinking in his State of the Union stare down with Nancy Pelosi. The president writing in a late night tweet, I will do the address when the shutdown is over. I am not looking for an alternative venue for the State of the Union address because there is no venue that can compete with the history, tradition, and importance of the House chamber. Oh, look at that. Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi facing off and Trump blinked first, which of course we knew would happen because Nancy Pelosi does not blink. <laughs> And personally, personally, I think postponing the State of the Union will be good for Trump's approval rating because Americans are very supportive of him not speaking. <laughs> it's a thing they enjoy. Now, for many people, the shutdown still feels abstract, you know, especially if you don't rely on government, uh, you know, for assistance. You know, people are like, what do I care? I'm flying first class. Well, uh, not for long. 
Pilots, flight attendants, and air traffic controllers are expressing growing concern, saying air safety is deteriorating by the day as the government shutdown drags on. Their unions issued a joint statement saying they can't even predict the point at which the entire system will break. Oh, hell no. <laughs> they can't predict when the system... Like, now the shutdown is affecting air traffic control? Like, if I was a pilot... I wouldn't even play around with this nonsense. I'd be like, ladies and gentlemen, we've reached our cruising altitude of 50 feet. 50 feet, just gonna play it safe today, folks. <laughs> but this is crazy. You realize without properly staffed air traffic control, pilots are asking how safe it is to fly. And Spirit Airline pilots are asking, what's air traffic control? <laughs> Spirit Airlines, we shut down the day we opened. <laughs> Moving on from current events to ancient events. An ancient stone circle that fascinated archaeologists is fake. Scientists were excited when they first discovered these rocks last year at a farm in rural Scotland. They were estimated to be around 4,000 years old. However, the farm's former owner has come forward saying he actually built the circle in the 1990s. Researchers have left the site. No, 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 I'm sorry. No, come on, guys. Really, the 90s? How can you not tell if something is that young? Are you an archaeologist or R. Kelly? <laughs> no, no, you're right. He's a good guy. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. But, like, this, this archaeology story only makes me feel like I'm even more right about something I've believed for a very long time. Most archaeology is bullshit. Yeah, I said it. I said it. You know how many times they say something is, like, a thousand years old, and then we find out it's actually from Ikea? Like, <laughs> it's the same thing with dinosaurs. You really think the T-Rex was real? Look at that thing. It makes no sense. None of it. Like, when have you ever seen another animal with a massive body and tiny little arms? And don't say Trump, right? That joke is dead. <laughs> I'm being serious right now. Like, this thing just doesn't... Like, what, like, T-Rex, what did they hunt? Corn on the cob? <laughs> Can I tell you what I think happened? This is what I think happened. 100 years ago, they found bones for a mom dinosaur and a baby dinosaur, and they were all mixed up. And they were like, well, I guess these fit here. And yeah, you can make them fit, but you just have to look at it to know it's wrong, people. This is wrong. This is not a normal thing. It's like, like when I was a kid, right? I had a bunch of dolls that I would play with. And if I had an old Barbie doll, I'd snap in the G.I. Joe arms. And then I'd put the Barbie legs on my Ninja Turtle. <laughs> so some archaeologist is gonna find that in a thousand years from now, and they're gonna be like, according to our discovery, ancient turtles had very sexy legs. Get the f*** out of here, man. T-Rex my ass. Also, aliens killed Kennedy. All right, let's move on to our main story. The trial of the notorious drug lord, El Chapo Guzman. You may have missed that he's currently on trial in a Brooklyn courthouse because you've probably been focusing on the criminal who's in the White House. <laughs> Peak resistance. <laughs> anyway, the trial of the world's biggest drug lord has reached its halfway point. And what we've learned so far is muy loco. Prosecutors are expected to rest their case this week in the federal trial of the notorious Mexican drug lord, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. Drugs, sex, murder, and betrayal. Since November, a real-life drama has been unfolding in Brooklyn federal court. The villain, according to prosecutors, is 61-year-old Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. Former associates testified that El Chapo protected his drug pipeline into the U.S. with violence and bribes, including $100 million to former Mexican president President Enrique Peña Nieto, who denies the allegation. God damn, El Chapo might have bribed the ex-Mexican president $100 million. Although, to be fair, 
The Mexican president has already denied it from the deck of his $101 million yachts. <laughs> but that is just like one of the crazy revelations from this trial, right? There are so many things that we've learned that sound like they're straight out of a movie. And the way we're learning all of these secrets is because many of El Chapo's former henchmen are testifying against him. So far, more than a dozen witnesses have testified. Most are convicted drug traffickers who are betraying El Chapo in exchange for more lenient sentences. Including Herman Barbas Rosero, The Beard, and Juan Carlos Chupeta Ramirez, Lollipop. Ramirez admitted to killing 150 people. Wow, that was uh, an emotional roller coaster for you guys, huh? <laughs> yeah. You're like, ha, his name is Lollipop. He killed 150 people. I don't think that's funny at all. It's not. Lollipop is a very formal name. I like that name. I wonder how he got that nickname. Yeah? He was going around the room, and the boss was like, you, you're the beard, man. And you over there, you're snake eyes. And you, you're gonna be Lollipop. <laughs> He's like, what? No! Can I just be no beard, man? Why gotta be Lollipop? Because you're so sweet, man. Oh, I love you guys. Now let's go kill someone. Now, believe it or not, believe it or not, the weirdest thing we learned about Lollipop isn't the fact that his name is Lollipop or the fact that he's killed more people than bird flu. No, it's how he tried to dodge the police. Ramirez admitted to killing 150 people. To hide from police, he used plastic surgery. My jawbone, my cheekbones, my eyes, my mouth. My pussy and my crack. <laughs> Sorry, I, I thought we were singing, no? Okay, now, <laughs> this... <laughs> this I don't understand. <laughs> if you're trying to hide from the police, <laughs> it's probably a bad idea to give yourself the world's most distinctive face. What is this? The cops are just gonna be like, okay, guys, we're on the lookout for a guy who looks like a mannequin Fidel Castro. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> who did this surgery? <laughs> this is the first time in history that anyone has looked better in a courtroom sketch than in real life. <laughs> But a creepy man-sized doll wasn't the biggest witness in this trial. No, that honor goes to El Chapo's IT guy. The star witness was El Chapo's personal tech guru, Christian Rodriguez. He told jurors how El Chapo ordered him to install spyware called FlexiSpy on 50 Blackberries, including the phones of his wife and mistress. The fellow who set up all of the wiretaps, set up the encryption, then got caught by the FBI, started working for the FBI, and eventually hacked into his own system for the FBI. So El Chapo got his IT guy to spy on the people who work for him. And then the FBI got the IT guy to spy on El Chapo, which is a good lesson for everyone. Be nice to your IT guy. <laughs> yeah. Be nice to him. Is he here right now? Yeah. He may be condescending. He may give you a hard time when you forget your password, and he may smell like boiled hot dogs, but that dude <laughs> knows everything. By the way, Dennis, if you're watching, I love you and you smell great, please don't leak my nudes. All right, man. <laughs> and can we, can we just for a moment, just for a moment, can we look at this courtroom sketch? Why are you drawing a guy's face and then blacking it out? <laughs> just don't draw the face. Like, what, what is the... Like, or maybe we're just looking at it wrong. Maybe this guy was just on the witness stand wearing a VR headset. <laughs> he was like, so then I installed the program on his... Ah, sorry, I'm on a roller coaster right now. <laughs> so it turns out this IT guy is one of the biggest reasons El Chapo might be going down. And he only agreed to turn because the FBI paid him. Of course, now, because of the shutdown, the FBI says they don't have money to pay more informants like him anymore. Yeah. Oh, and here's another thing. The U.S. Marshals who are guarding El Chapo... They aren't getting paid 
because of the shutdown. And now I'm not saying they're gonna be bribed, but if there's anyone you wanna be extra careful with, it's El Chapo. <laughs> this guy has escaped from prison twice already, which is why whenever they move him around, they gotta hold the back of his neck like he's a baby cat. <laughs> yeah. They also make him poop in a litter box, but I think that's just for fun. <laughs> and remember, the reason El Chapo became the most powerful drug lord in history is that he figured out how to smuggle more drugs across the border than anybody else. And during this trial, we found out how he's done it. The U.S. Coast Guard led a team on a drug bust off the coast of Guatemala in 2008. They intercepted a huge cash, according to federal prosecutors, $100 million of cocaine. But that's no ordinary drug boat. It's actually more like a submarine. And just one of Joaquin El Chapo Guzman's smuggling tricks, according to prosecutors. If the sub didn't work, there were tunnels, trucks, or planes. Just part of the evidence presented so far in the narco-trafficker trial of the century. This is insane. El Chapo was using planes, tunnels, and even submarines to smuggle drugs into the U.S. So I guess it's a good thing that Trump is building that wall. <laughs> yeah. You know, the sad thing... The sad thing is... The sad thing is, even if Trump sees this trial, it won't change his mind. If anything, he'll probably just double down. He'll be like, you know what? Forget the wall, folks. We're building a dome. <laughs> and who's gonna pay for it? Lollipop. We'll be right back. The Super Bowl is coming up next Sunday. And for Tom Brady, this is his ninth one, which is amazing. You realize one more Super Bowl and he gets a free sandwich. <laughs> but despite all the excitement for the big game, many football fans are still talking about the team not playing in Atlanta. And for more on that, we turn to our very own Roy Wood Jr., everybody. No, no, silence, silence. No, no, let's get right to it. Let's get right to it, Trevor. The wrong team is playing in the Super Bowl. Last Sunday's game, last Sunday's game had the worst call I've ever seen since I decided to go commando under a graduation row. <laughs> there was no way to know that the lights on that stage would be so intense. It showed the outline and everything. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, Saints fans are pissed and they have every right to be. You don't have to be a Saints fan to be upset by this. You don't have to be a football fan, even a sports fan, but just a fan of basic fairness. It's being referred to as one of the worst missed calls in playoff history. The New Orleans Saints missed a place in the Super Bowl after referees didn't throw the flag on this play. Many call it a glaring case of pass interference. The player made an illegal tackle right in front of the ref, and that ref didn't take out the penalty flag. He didn't take it out of his pocket. Trevor, I'm pretty sure this referee is the first dude to get in trouble for not pulling something out of his pants. <laughs> penis, I'm talking about penis. <laughs> Look, I'ma just come out and say it, plain and simple. This is the worst thing to ever happen to the people of New Orleans. Nothing else comes close. Uh, Roy. Nothing. Roy, Roy I, th I think you're forgetting about Hurricane Katrina. Oh, yeah, that's my bad. This is tied with Hurricane Katrina <laughs> as the worst thing to happen in New Orleans. But unlike a hurricane, Saints fans can take this disaster to court. The Saints lose the game. The fans lose their minds, buying billboards in Atlanta where the Super Bowl will be played without them. 
robbed, they say. A petition with over half a million signatures calls for a rematch. So does a lawsuit filed today on behalf of season ticket holders, alleging emotional trauma and nothing less than the loss of enjoyment of life. Loss of enjoyment of life. You know how upsetting something has to be to make people from New Orleans stop enjoying life. They got Bourbon Street, they got Mardi Gras, even the funerals look like a halftime show. Oh, you heard Granddaddy died? Yeah. Well, let's have a parade. Yo, yo, Roy, I'm sorry, man. Refs mess up calls all the time. It's part of sport. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal? It's not a big deal? It's such a big deal, this happened. Meanwhile, one sports book in New Jersey is refunding all wagers on the Saints, tweeting, just think of it as good karma. Bookies! Bookies! The people who break your knees when you don't pay are given refunds. Refunds. They go probably going around door to door. Hey, uh, sorry about the Saints, man. That's a tough break. Here's your thumbs back. My apologies. Yes, okay, but okay, what do you want the NFL to do about it? They can't just replay the whole game. You don't have to replay the game. This, this is an easy fix, man. The problem is that the NFL doesn't allow refs to review this type of play, which is stupid, because any other questionable call, they go and huddle around that little TV like they watching the peep show. So <laughs> the NFL should just allow instant replay for pass interference, too. That's all you got to do. <laughs> it's simple. You know what? That's a great idea, Roy. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. In fact, we should just use instant replay for everything in life. We already got cameras everywhere, traffic cameras, body cameras. Did you know that iPhones are built with a camera already inside of them? Yeah, I think everyone knows that, Roy. Well, they must have just started doing it. Look, the point is, anytime there's a disagreement about anything, anything in life, we should be able to throw out a flag and check out the instant replay. Two people fighting over a parking spot, go to the replay. The pickup truck got there after the Prius, therefore the vegan gets the parking space. <laughs> Just throw the flag. Oh, oh, you want to split the check 50-50 at dinner? <laughs> Go to the replay, Deborah. The tape shows that you had more drinks and ate my cheese sticks when I was in the bathroom. I'm only paying $10. <laughs> but, but Deborah, if you're watching this, I do hope we get a chance to go out again. I really did feel a connection. <laughs> You know what, uh, you, you've really convinced me that that's also a really great idea. I know, I have great ideas, Trevor. That's why you said you'd give me a 20% raise. Whoa, 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 what are you talking about? I, I never said that. Oh, is that what you think, Trevor? <laughs> Roy Wood Jr. has challenged the ruling at the desk. Let's go to the replay to see what Trevor said to Roy about giving him a 20% raise. You know what? That's a great idea, Roy. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 wait. No. No, 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 no. You took me out of context. You took me out of context. No. The challenge is upheld. Roy gets a 20% raise, and so does the referee. Get out of here. What would Junior Michael Costa, everybody? By the way, by the way, don't forget, Roy Wood Jr. has a brand new stand-up special. It's called No One Loves You. He's one of the funniest stand-up comedians you've ever seen. It's airing Friday night at 11 p.m. Comedy Central.
Central. Make sure you watch it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is the NBC News political director and moderator of Meet the Press, as well as host of MTP Daily on MSNBC. Please welcome Chuck Todd. Welcome to the show. We got to do this slimming button. This is right, good. Oh, you do, button, you do yeah. the button when you sure, sit? Sure, I, I guess yeah, I have Sometimes it's open, sometimes yeah, it's closed. It's whatever for me. Welcome my, to my it. My real fear is always people seeing my uh, bare legs. Your bare you know, legs? You always got to pull show up Show the, the people your bare legs. Not at all. Come on, Chuck, right. show the people your... That's it. Now your fear is gone. Yeah, their fear is gone. You see, the fear is gone. You face your fears. There it is. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. From your point of view, as somebody who has to watch this and, and, and reports on it every single day, where do you see the shutdown ending? I actually believe it might actually end this weekend. I think there's an actual real chance that it looks like the president is finally realizing he's not going to get his way. Uh, I think he's finally seen, I mean, that was the whole point of these Senate votes. Show him. It was a bit of show and tell. Right. Um, some presidents need show and tell on that front. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and so they showed him. Right. And they showed him that, oh, look, the Democratic bill got more Republican votes than your bill. Wow. Um, so it's clear to me he's looking for an exit ramp. All, they want out of this. Everybody wants out of this yes. in Washington. And I actually think that that may be by the weekend. I it, actually think this thing could open up. Is it, is it true that you were at the White House when he gave that address to the country, that primetime address? He hosted a bunch of us for lunch uh, uh, beforehand right. uh, for an off-the-record uh, uh, an off-the-record conversation. What, what, is, what is the purpose of those off-the-record conversations? If you are the press, I've always wanted to know, if you can't tell us what it's about, what, what's the purpose? Well, I, the purpose is they're trying to make us seem smarter on the air, I think. Oh, we think the president... This is what's going into his thinking on the speech, right? <laughs> a, a, person close, a person close to the president's brain once said to us, uh, look, I've done, these with president, I've done these with President Obama and I've done these with President Trump. The best part of them are actually when it's not about the speech. It's when you're finding about other things or you're finding about, you know, you do actually get an opportunity. What are you thinking over here with Syria? Right. Or what are you thinking uh, uh, on this front? So it, they actually are helpful. I think off the, look, politicians are rarely honest on the record. So you're better off getting them off the record. You have a chance of getting some uh, I think idea of what the truth but, is. But what is your relationship with him? Because I mean, it's a great we, question. We at the show, <laughs> we at the show can. What is your relationship with we, him? I have no relationship with him. He does not see me. He does not know me. And this is how I enjoy my life. <laughs> you. I want your life. You, on the other hand, he mentioned you at a rally. It was that infamous rally where he's talking uh, up and he's like, I was on a show, meet the press, with sleepy eyes Chuck Todd, that sleepy son of a bitch. Yeah. That's the president of the United States. Like, just straight up dissing you, and then you have to go and just be a journalist with him. Does he even remember that, or does he think it's a joke, or does he just... Oh, is that it just like stuff, a show? that stuff, look, I always say this, you know, we just lost uh, the great Mean Gene Okerlund. Um, you know, remember who Mean Gene was? <laughs> so, world wrestling, Mean Gene was the guy that always interviewed Hulk Hogan. Right. And, look, Donald Trump has viewed the press as his Mean Gene Okerlund. Wow. It's all a game. It's good for ratings, isn't it? You know, me calling you, that's good for you. And you're like, yeah, but it's not fun when your daughter asks you, why is the president calling you an SOB, Dad? Right. Um, which on that one, that's, that was, it was, she was the first one to see it on social. Wow. And we were just having dinner. Um, actually, an actual little family dinner, our cheap hamburger place that we all love. And you're like, you know, 
I, the sleepy eye's fine, you take it, you grow your thick skin, all that stuff, you're like, I don't have to explain to my daughter why you have to attack me. That is not fun when you have to explain to your 14-year-old. My favorite, though, response was when my mother called me up and said, you know, the president owes me an apology. Wow. I'll let you figure out. So wow. I was like, Mom, I don't know what to do. Um, I'll let him know. Let's talk a little bit about the press. Yes. Right. You are in a position at Meet the Press where a lot of politicians come to your show mm -hmm. and, and speak to you directly. It's always been one of those institutions where you go, all right, this is us head to head speaking to the press and the nation. Recently, there's been a few stories where people have asked if the press is doing enough to, mm -hmm. I guess, in a way, you know, indemnify themselves from the attacks that Trump levels at them, you know, the fake news, et cetera. Right. One of those was like the BuzzFeed story. Okay. BuzzFeed came out and said, uh, you know, Michael Cohen was told to lie to Congress by President Trump. Then, in a rare move, mm -hmm. Robert Mueller comes out and says, no, that's inaccurate. Right. And the media blows up. Do you think that the press has to do more to make sure that their stories are correct? Do you think that, like, cable news shouldn't be reporting what has been reported until they verify it themselves? How do you think you can fix this? Or is it something that, that's always going to happen now and again? I kind of think this is unfixable. And in some ways, there's two ways to look at it. We can sit here and wring our hands and say, why can't BuzzFeed have the New York Times editors edit their stories? Right. Right, which is essentially, I feel like, sometimes what they expect. Like, how come you at NBC News, Chuck Todd, can't verify their reporting? Right. I actually will look at it this way, that, look, we live in this open source world. Social media, we live in an open source world. Guess what? Within 24 hours, as loudly as BuzzFeed landed is as loudly as it was retracted. Right. And I, I think the biggest beef people have with the press is when a mistake is made, the retraction's a whisper. Yes. It was always on page A2. In this case, I would say, whatever you want to say, I, would I get rid of social media tomorrow, all those things? I, there's a lot of things I would love to fix. But this is the world we live in. Donald Rumsfeld once said, right, you go to war with the army you have, not the army you want. The system worked as best as it could. Right. The system worked. It, you, you saw that it got out of hand. and. and whatever it is, but as loudly as it landed is as loudly as it was pulled back. In that sense, that's as best as we can hope for in this media environment. It's interesting that it feels like the media and the, and the news has found a way to adapt to reporting on President Trump. You know, I remember when he first started, people gave him the benefits of the doubt. People would say a lot of, well, what I think he meant to say is, and, you know, this is, well, I think the meaning... And, and what's been interesting is, let's say, with the shutdown in particular, right. I find that news has been very quick to say, the shutdown, President Trump blaming the Democrats, even though he said he, he's creating the shutdown, he will own the shutdown. Right. And the news never used to do that. They would say, the president says this, but they wouldn't say that he directly contradicted himself. Is that something you've had to learn as a news anchor? I think it's one of those things where... There was this sense that the press for a long time, I would say sort of between Watergate and now, that the press, um, it wasn't necessarily that you covered up for the powerful, but you explained the powerful. Right. You know, so one of my favorite um, anecdotes is apparently in, in the 70s and 80s, whenever you would hear somebody report about a member of Congress being drunk, they wouldn't say that. They'd say, so-and-so was tired tonight on the Senate floor. Um, and that was, my point is, is there was a lot of examples like that where there was this, as you just put it, well, what the president meant to say, and, you know, he uses right, that right, rhetoric right. this way. And I think there was a lot of that. It just became a habit. What, what it, I think, obviously, a bad habit. I can tell you this, everybody's handling the Trump era in different ways. I did just a simple motto, which is, say what you see. It's as simple as that. Our job in Washington, the ultimate job of a reporter is to, to write what you observe, right? Right. You're, say what you see. Don't try to explain it 
and do backflips. Say what you see. Why is the president, you know, why is the president tweeting about this? Explain why he's doing it. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and show maybe what he's saying, but give it contest and explain it. Say what you see. I think too often we covered, covered up's the wrong word. We, we sort of, we almost rounded the edges of what right. we saw. We gave a better picture because it's almost like, ooh, that's an ugly picture. Right, right, Country right. doesn't want to see that. We should, we should make it better. Not, you know what? Rip the Band-Aid off. Let's see it. One, and by the way, too long, you and your colleagues were the ones ripping the Band-Aid off. And that was actually a problem. We needed to rip our own Band-Aid off. Oh, and you, I, I would say in many ways, sat, the satirists, I think in that way, led the way for us. You know what? There's nothing wrong with ripping the Band-Aid off. Oh, it's interesting. You I, did it with a sense of humor. Um, maybe we could use a sense of humor, too. But. You, you have done a lot, though, to change the idea of how you create news and, and what you allow on the news. One thing that I found particularly impressive and, and revolutionary was you were, you were hosting a, a show on climate change. Mm -hmm. And you came out and you said, we're not going to have any climate change deniers as part of this discussion. Right. You got a lot of flack from a lot of people on the right, a lot yeah. of conservatives who said, why are, you, why are you censoring these voices, Chuck Todd? Why are you not allowing we these people We had a robust debate about taxes. Right. But that's but, the debate. The debate is, what do you do about this? But not for climate change. Why right. not? Um, well, I also didn't invite anybody who didn't believe in the moon landing. And I also didn't invite anybody who was a flat earther. Is that all right? But, but when somebody says to you, Chuck Todd, the press should be giving everyone an equal voice. That is, no, I think we are, <laughs> our job is to be fair. Right. Our job is to be fair to the facts that are there. Fair to the position. Look, I think it is an open debate. How do we price carbon, okay? It is an open debate. We're seeing the yellow jacket protesters in France. That is real. The middle class shouldn't have to pay for this alone. There's right. no doubt. Right. This is a real debate. How do we do this? That's a real debate. How do we mitigate climate change? How do we, if we're gonna build seawalls, where do we build them and who pays for that? That is the debate I had. I had, a, I had a, 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 an array of people who said, oh no, all government, no, 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 don't put that. But that was the conversation. Right. That's the debate, right? Which is, how are we gonna do this? Where do we find the money and who pays for it? Mexico. The right, always. <laughs> Man, if Mexico's economy gets humming, I guess they're gonna solve all the world's problems, right? right. But you ask, who's going to pay for it? Who's going to... That's the debate. But the debate is not, is man-made climate change a real thing? Here's what I don't get. It's, it's simply an insurance policy. Like, why wouldn't you not want it? Let's say you don't believe in it. What's wrong with... Well, maybe, you know, what's wrong with a little insurance policy? Right. I mean, you know, it's like I had a relative on their deathbed, didn't really believe in religion, but on their deathbed they did. And I thought, well, okay, it's an insurance policy. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, what's wrong? Climate, you know, mitigation. Yes. If, even if you're not sure... It's changing in front of us. Right. Okay, so if it's, the, if it's Mother Nature doing it, you still got to adapt. Right. Thank you so much for being on the show, okay. my friend. Great having you here. MTP Daily, as weekdays at 5 p.m. on MSNBC, and Meet the Press, as Sundays on NBC. Chuck Todd, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.